Well, it's been three weeks, and uh, everything's on fire still in the gaming world. It, it seems yeah, like it's, uh, and it's not slowing down at all. It, it seems like every time we film one of these, there's another new cycle of massive layoffs and you know, some sort of controversy. Um, I, I, but let's start with the booba cannon, because that one's a little bit more lighthearted. Uh. <laughs> Relatively speaking, yes. So, uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about... Um, uh, shift up the developers behind games like Nikkei and Destiny Child. Uh, their game, Stellar Blade, is on the way pretty soon. Uh, I don't remember the exact release date, but I think it's coming out relatively soon from the uh, day of recording. Uh, I and actually see, because I pre-ordered it because you've talked about okay. it so much. Uh, April yeah, I haven't just because I don't own a PlayStation. Otherwise, I absolutely would have. Hopefully it comes to PC. Probably uh, not. It, it might. <laughs> it might. But, yeah, that's true. Sony's putting their first party. I can see them putting their second party yeah. title. April 26th, so about a month. Yeah, about a month. By the time we do our next recording, it'll probably be Yeah, probably. Uh, so, question is, well... Yeah, uh, we, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, with Stellar Blade, I mean, it's mostly been the talk for all its fan service, but honestly, there's been lots of great, like, cool gameplay um, that's been released, but Speaking of someone who's been playing Nikkei, I feel like this game is kind of like what the developers really want to do with their game. Nikkei, in terms of like how they can portray their characters uh, and the fan service, but they really just can't for like an all ages mobile game. Mm -hmm. uh, just avoid controversies. Because, like with um, uh, Stellar Blade, they have the ratings that allow them to just. Uh, do whatever mature stuff they want. So I'm very excited to see what they can do unrestricted. It's very interesting because I've seen so much Nikkei, both from you and like TikTok feeding it to me. And it seems like an interesting concept, but it's not like a gotcha that I would get behind. But, like, the amount of dedication into the art style and everything that goes into, like, the story and everything, it seems like they have a lot of great ideas. Just the gameplay loop just doesn't, you know, fit for me. But Nikkei, um, it kind of takes, from what I've seen of the trailers and everything, it takes what made Bayonetta feel really cool and the combat feel weighty. Uh, and it just ramps up the insanity of the fan service that was like, well, the, the witch hair can, you know, transform into a weapon and all the, you know, that kind of stuff from Bayonetta. Wait, do you mean uh, for Stellar Blade? Yeah. Because like Nikkei is like more like what if Mira Tomino looks like more yeah. fan service than it is. But and like, also, yeah, kind of, and like kind of a little more goofy. I think they added a lot more comedy into his game. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah. Like, so like, that's uh, a more direct comparison, but you're right. Stellar Blade feels like Bayonetta style, but mm -hmm. like post-apocalypse more than fantasy. Like yeah. sci-fi is like definitely like shift up. Like, um, it's, bread it's and butter. so it's so unique, and I I love that like Devil May Cry slash Bayonetta combat and that you know super like bouncy all over the place kind of you have uncontrolled you know or unrestricted access to like doing crazy stunts kind of combat um 
but like there was a gift that went like somewhat viral on Twitter <laughs> and it looks like the weapon gets pulled like right out of like her cleavage <laughs> like straight out of like, an anime I'm like yes this is gonna be the perfect like you know I, I don't want to say like male gaze fucking game but like it, it feels like a, like almost like Yoko Taro wrote the script for this in a way <laughs> Um, but like it's yeah, and I mean the the devs are also not shy about explaining why they made the game that way. I remember one interview; they're like, you know, most of the time you're looking at the backside of a character, and so we wanted to pay extra attention to that detail. And that's honestly like what a lot of gamers will say: they're like, oh, I play a female character not because I necessarily identify as woman, but just because I like looking at a female character. While I'm playing the game. And honestly, that's a fairly valid reason, especially for games that don't really change much story wise um, yeah. for what character you choose anyway. You might as well pick the one you're more attracted to, if not what you identify closer with. Yeah. Uh, so I think in this case, where you don't have the choice in what character, because it's just the character you play, you might as well make the game attractive. And of course, someday our people have. Um, then brought up back the debate of uh, Western development, like they're less focused on making the characters, you know, extremely attractive to look at and more of the gritty realism. So that was a whole uh, thing that came up from it. And I mean, my thing is, number one, just let people do whatever creative vision you want and you can just have whatever preferences you feel like because I think both have their place. Oh, absolutely. Um, we just shouldn't... I, I think we just shouldn't be so quick to shut down things. It's like, oh, you made an ugly character to be woke. It's like, no, they made an ugly character because you don't find that character particularly bad. Doesn't mean other people won't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are people who are just going to look at like Stellar Blade and dismiss it just based on its uh, art style as well. Just like those people will dismiss a gritty game. Uh, no, for sure. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that just skipped near Automata for you know somewhat similar reasons as well because like it it definitely wasn't the most polished looking game but it also was like all a very beautiful story and there was attractive characters. I feel like there's going to be like two definite sides to this one. There's going to be the side that's like I'm going to go into this with the sole purpose of making fan art. <laughs> <laughs> and there's gonna be the type of people that go into it like, this looks really interesting you know like visually and it you know from what i've seen and i've tried to avoid spoilers i'm trying to dodge two sets of spoilers this and final fantasy <laughs> and it is actually a little bit easier when you're banned from twitter uh but it, hey all the benefits to getting off twitter <laughs> it's like also a really interesting time to be on social media in general right now um because i i've just been harvesting you know topics for this but also like trying to dodge the spoilers for like the little bits of this that have come out uh because i guess there are people playing it right now like an early build of it and i don't know how the f i ended up on that side of twitter but uh even if i'm yeah, i like, don't the know either even if I'm only in, like, view-only mode while they, you know, give me my naughty corner over there for saying the word cis was why I was banned from Twitter. They actually made that a slur, which baffles my mind. 
Yep. I mean, it's literally just a term in and of itself. It's not <laughs> ever meant to be derogatory. Yeah. But that was the tweet they sent back to me to, uh, like, hey, you're banned for seven days because you said sis. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> uh, I mean, just think about the kinds of things people say on that site. And like, yeah, no, we've definitely kept people. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyway, that was I. I ended up on there. I saw like bits and pieces of. It. I'm like, huh. There, there's some interesting, you know, concepts being portrayed through this. I'm very much looking forward to playing it in a month. The thing that does uh, concern me with it, and I'm sure you can kind of agree, is like you you touch on a little bit of it. I brought back like the the like early 2010s talks of like game development and we had cycled so far into like almost overcorrecting it in a way you know because now it there's definitely like um i hate using the term like diversity inclusion but it definitely does feel like we've kind of moved into like we have to hit every you know checkbox to make the game feel right because we had so much controversy, you know, in the early 2000s. I feel like this might take it a step back. But I don't, I kind of think that it's a needed step back. In making games that we want to make instead of for the sheer profit of the investors and the, you know, CEOs. And going back to making fun games for the sake of fun games. Um, so it could, you know, damage the already crumbling gaming industry. Or it could, you know push it back into like, well, now I can get back into gaming because this looks fun for the sake of being fun. Um, I don't know. So, I mean, interesting enough, like, there was this quick video I was watching yesterday because it came on my feed or, or my subscription box about someone talking about a Disney Channel movie I don't remember seeing. Apparently it was about like 9-11 called Tiger Cruise. Um, and I won't go all into it because there were some interesting and some issues of patriotism. I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about some of this, uh, looking back. But I will say that one thing I found interesting is they talked about how Disney Channel, like at least back in the day and probably so now, I don't watch it anymore, so I don't know, uh, had like this interesting way of kind of like including diversity where they just kind of like mix and match traits and genders um, in order to like have a a diverse cast as possible but it felt like fill in the blank and I thought that's kind of a funny joke but I also thought you know what that is probably how that probably is how we try to get games diverse instead of trying to think about like a concept where it would fit naturally we just sort of incorporate it and I, I think I'm of like two opinions on this like on one hand if you wanted to include things like realistically um, where you have like a story that takes place in a world, you can, of course, always just have a world where, you know, uh, there's naturally a large amount of diversity. Fantasy is great for that because you have like, a bunch of different species and races and no one really blinks an eye at them. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, on the other hand, if you want to do historical pieces in a country, well, I mean, certain places are just generally going to be more homogenous just based on how things were at the time. So, you know, I feel like how people do diversity matters in terms of like there's a way to do it naturally but i don't think people are interested in trying to do it naturally so much as just including it on a tech box which sucks 
But I think if the alternative is, okay, if we want to do it realistically, there aren't going to be many uh, people of color in this particular story based on its setting or its themes or what we're focusing on. So right. I don't know. I guess a little bit of overcorrection, like you said, is probably necessary. But yeah. it would be better if at least we embraced like more fictional, set, either more fictional settings or more interesting settings in time where they could have diversity. Because I think someone made a post one time about like a D&D concept where it's like if you take the D&D in like the 1800s or something, it's like you could have like a samurai from Japan and muskets from America and I think something else from like South America, I forgot what the rest of them were, but it's like, okay, that whole diverse group of people did technically exist in that time period. Considering travel is getting more frequent, it's not impossible. So I thought, yeah, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. There are ways to do it, but you know, I don't think people are really looking for that so much as they're just like, cool, we'll just go into like a historic war where there weren't many uh, women or people of color, but they just kind of put them in there just to kind of show we're the good guys giving more representation yeah i mean if you take like historical like look to aladdin back when we were growing up right that was like how that was that that you know setting was in baghdad right there there wasn't a, a half dozen generic white dudes sitting there there wasn't you know traditional african-americans because it was set in the middle east right so like if you look to now if it would get made you know you know if we made the animated movie now we would try to see you know shoehorn in other for the shareholders and i i hate using that the term uh but but it's true it is because disney is very much like we want to make as much money as possible because animation is fucking expensive and i'm not going to sit here and try to deny animation is not expensive because it is um that's the side of the the art the political argument that gets brought into that side of things that people overlook is like of course we want to make as much money as possible because this costs us like a minimum of like a hundred million dollars to make and advertise and do all this in and gaming is arguably just as expensive as we've seen some of the numbers from like insomniac and all that that came out of the leaks a couple weeks ago where it was just in the absurds of millions of dollars and closing in on billions of dollars to make some of these games and to advertise them and to do all this uh back-end work from sony so I understand wanting to hit as many checkboxes as possible for profit, even if I do hate that. Um, you know, because I would rather a setting feel more natural and it feel, you know, like it's coming from a piece of, a place of, you know, culture instead of like, for the sake of, you know, turning a CEO into a seventh yacht, as we will get to in a little bit. Uh, speaking of the next topic, and this is the fucking yep. embracer. Great transition. <laughs> uh embracer group <laughs> mm, yeah is, so for those who don't know what embracer is they're just like this huge conglomerate who a couple years ago bought out so many studios most infamously i'll say uh a bunch of studios from square enix that had IPs like tomb raider and i think just cause deus ex 
And so like Square lost a bunch of money for the sake of, hey, we think this NFT thing is going to be great. It didn't age well at all. Um, so they were, uh, since they bought so many studios, including like yeah, those studios, Gearbox, and a couple other ones you may have heard of, um, they then lost a bunch of money when a deal fell through and they've just been trying to recuperate since. So, yeah, you can take it. <laughs> uh, speaking of Square and NFTs, do you want to guess what the first thing I saw when I opened uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth's case was? Uh, please tell me they did not just incorporate some NFT in their collectibles. They were advertising the Digital Trading Card Series 2. Front page in the uh -huh. advertisement. <laughs> I really thought that we were at the stage where everyone's just like, yeah, we're dropping this like no no i'll put a picture in the chat in a second uh because it's yeah. sitting here on my desk uh but yeah no yeah, like, i remember that coming with final fantasy 7 and i'm like oh man that sucks i completely forgot that was a thing i was hoping it got dropped because like everything i've been hearing about final fantasy 7 has been great oh, it, it is <laughs> fucking phenomenal uh <laughs> i i i sat down i've been playing through um Final Fantasy VII Remake on my PC again. Because I never really, like, finished sweeping up all the achievements on it. I don't plan on, like, doing the squat challenge and all that. But, like, it it was the first thing when I opened that case. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Uh, they have learned zero lessons in the last year and a half. Um, but I I'll give Embracer credit for one thing, and you said it really well here. It's a, they they were at least like, yeah, we we want shareholders first. <laughs> um, yeah, they verbatim said that, and you know, again, that is, it's like we know, but thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying because like part out loud. there there was so like nice. this recent. I mean, I'm just gonna quickly like asterisk this, um, but like there was a bunch of Sega news that came out yesterday. I didn't include it because we had too much to talk about already. So they have like a new guy who's like help like head of transmedia strategy because they realize how popular Sonic's been doing with transmedia. So they're like, hey, we need a guy to help us do that with all the IP. So they got a guy from Disney, I think. And oh, he said it's like, man, I'm looking forward to helping get uh, these other Sega IP up there. And also we're gonna put our players and consumers first. I'm like, that's great PR talk, man. I don't believe you. No, not at all. A Disney uh, guy sure, going, I believe them. A Disney guy going to another giant media conglomerate. I don't buy it for a second, but you know, yeah. that that'll be interesting to I see. Mean, I'm sure he'll do still a good job. Hopefully, but yeah. oh, okay, you posted something on topics, I assume it's the picture. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh here's Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess let's just hope it fails. <laughs> That's all we can say. Yeah, I'm hoping it fails. Uh, it, it definitely seems like it's one of the least popular things because I do kind of keep an eye on like the Square Enix store because um, I am a simp for anything Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts related. So <laughs> I spend way too much money on that site. But yeah, it it doesn't seem to be doing super well, which is good. Maybe they'll abandon it. Uh, but in the midst of all these like things that were... You know, gutted. They canceled a Deus Ex project. Uh, I believe Thief was one of them. It also got canceled quietly, which is a game I was actually looking forward to as somebody that grew up with the Thief uh, franchise. And the the remake that came out on PS3 was actually pretty good for what it was. I was hoping they'd continue that, but they never did. 
Um, there was one interesting tidbit that I saw floating around. Um, the voice actor for Adam Jensen, who was in the um, 2010s Deus Ex games, was told to quietly stop talking about the role. And, you know, I'm like, excuse me? How do you dictate what characters your former cast can talk about? Yeah, I don't understand that either. Because, like, voice actors, like, when they, I see them use their voices, like, outside of work for things like promos and families. It makes me think, okay, so they have some level of right to do this, which is nice because, like, I'm sure for any other creative, like, being able to use their art when it's, they don't fully own what they made as much anymore, which uh, this isn't totally related to a gaming podcast, but we saw a lot of animators come out and say how hard it was for them to get their original works from the people they sold it to. Uh, so yeah, it's nice that voice actors are able to do this. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, I, I could understand if they were like going around and saying stuff that was counter to the culture of the company, maybe, because it's technically that company's character, right? Yeah, um, but even then, I've seen people like say inappropriate things with their voices of child characters. People find that stuff funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I paid like 20 or maybe it was $50 to the voice actor of Bishamon from, again, uh, Noragami to talk trash to me as fucking Yato because it was in character and it was kind of funny for a bit for a video, right? But like, I wasn't going to like say, you know, it, you know some out-of-pocket thing as Bishamon because like I'm going to respect the fact that this is also somebody else's property technically. This character belongs to the studio, right? I'm just yeah. like, talk to me as you would talk to Yato for this video. And, it's, you know, I had the voice actor from Nora from Ruby boop me with a little mini hammer one of our uh, reds of my mutual friends made, right? Like, but I've seen people like, Charles Martinet, who voiced Mario for decades, say, like, there are certain phrases I can't say as Mario, right? And I'm like, that makes sense. You're not gonna, you know, have Mario say 9-11 was an inside job or something, right? <laughs> like, there, yeah. there's gonna be limits to what you can say as a character, but the, it, the way the voice actor for Adam Jensen was saying, he's not even allowed to, like, reference you that he was this in character anymore and like that is absolutely out of pocket uh, this is part of your voice actor reel this is part of like your history as an artist and they're just kind of seemingly erasing it like warner brothers is doing to a lot of movies right that's that's the vibe i was getting from it i don't know how much of it is like speculation and how much of it is actually like they actively said you are not allowed to reference this character anymore uh Please stop talking about it. Uh, <laughs> but that was like the biggest thing for me. It does seem like the Tomb Raider reboot is still in development. So that's coming out of Amazon Studios, which has like a checkered history with games. So that's good for, yeah. you know, fans of that franchise. We just had the remaster of the first three games drop uh, that were coming out. Yeah, of I'm there. looking forward to all that because like I think. I mean, I personally think that some of the older ones didn't age super well, so I'm interested to see how like the remakes handle it. I said someone didn't really grow up with them. I got in through the the reboot series that came out 
10 years ago, which you would say. Uh, but that's how I got into Tomb Raider, and I played some of the older games, and they weren't ads for me. Um, but I'm interested in how the remakes handle it. And I'm glad Tomb Raider is still going strong. I mean, I was expecting the IP to be doing more than it is right now because there was like a whole movie sequel plan from that last movie they made. But I also understand why they haven't because one, the world went into a crisis mode and then two, Square Enix happened. Yeah. It, as somebody that's been watching, like, cause I didn't want to pay $30 for the, the remakes on steam. And I know it'll be on sale probably in the summer and I already have enough games, uh, <laughs> to play. Uh, it, it seems like there are people that are, um, do you remember the yellow paint debacle that was going on? Oh, yeah, there? I saw, like, more controversy with the yellow paint thing. Arlo made a video about it. Uh, uh I mean, I guess we could talk about that if you want. I didn't think I, I was going to reference it in the fact that there was somebody that was like, do you know how many times I passed over the ski because of lighting on there? And then, um... A UX dev uh, decided to be really petty after all the people were dunking on him for saying, like, players are stupid. And he just, like, here, I'll help you. And he found the key in the level and just painted around it with yellow paint in Photoshop. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. But the thing is, it is true. Like, aside from accessibility, which is always a thing people forget about, like, sometimes you just have to make things super obvious because they play test of the game and people still messed up. Mm-hmm. Like even in real life, there are examples of like times where it's like how, there were no, there's no indication of why you have to do this or do that. This and is it's walkthroughs and like let's plays. So, I mean, I think there are ways to, again, maybe do it a little bit more naturally. Like God of War, I really like the way they did it. They incorporated it into their story too. Mm-hmm. And, um, Horizon Zero Dawn has like their own like sci-fi mechanism for it, but so there are ways to kind of do it naturally. But let's be honest, a lot of us will still just recognize it for what it is. It, like, even if they incorporate in the UI where it's like a quest marker or a map marker, like that's not a natural thing. That's a thing that you that the game is saying, "Hey, go here, do this. There's stuff here to do." Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it's not as big a deal as people are saying. I, but, I get that it it's gotten a little silly in like how much of the world is painted yellow, but also it's painted yellow because that's a neutral color that doesn't have as high of a risk of color blindness, which is something I learned when I actually did take a couple design classes, and it was actually kind of eye opening for me. And I'm like, really, that's it's an odd choice because I've always heard like red and green color blindness and then there's blue that is also affected by it but I never thought like yellow as the neutral color and that being why it was chosen and this was like yeah I've also seen white but yeah mm-hmm. basically they're colors that just are less likely to be right and it, it was kind of like huh now I understand why so many things are out there and this was like early 2010s when i took this class like right out of high school because i had originally wanted to go into game design and i realized like how shit i am at certain programming languages i'm like i'd never make it in this field <laughs> uh yeah. no i'm with you on that. like i remember like learning some programming in high school just because i really like computers and i did think about going to like computer engineering or something but mm-hmm. coding is a pain oh like, yeah as much as like the stuff i'm doing now isn't necessarily easy like, I at least 
feel more reliable in like my knowledge of, okay, I have an idea of what to do and it's likely going to work versus programmers. Like I forgot period. And now everything's broke. Where in this 7,000 lines of code did I forget the period? Uh, <laughs> and honestly, that's not even the worst part. I hate it when it's like execute the program, didn't work, click around, move my cursor, still not saying anything, execute again, it works. I'm like, I didn't do jack. Yep. I had that happen quite a few times. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, it works about 75% of the time, so that's good enough to pass, right? <laughs> um, I mean, it's worse than like, at least I understand turning your devices on and off at least does. I don't understand how clicking execute at a different point in space time somehow. <laughs> but like that's that's why a lot of people use like the yellows and the whites. And I, I found it funny that like this dude who got dunked on for weeks on Twitter is just like, I'm gonna be just as petty to them. Uh and yeah, make them understand. Uh but yeah, there's uh lovely little um issue with xbox here that i put in this as well and this is where i kind of draw my uh like game pass isn't as great as everybody wants to say it is sometimes because there's tiers to game pass right just like there's tiers to playstation plus um and it looks and i'm going to gather that this is going to be how like all of the Activision titles like get handled because uh, they confirmed that Diablo 4 isn't going to hit Game Pass Core it's only going to hit Game Pass um, the premium which I understand uh, a little bit more because you know it's a live service game technically you're going to want people that are more chronically online to playing it versus like those that log in and then log out but at the same time i i find like tiering this is what kind of led people to dunk on playstation plus and i fully agree because playstation plus's tiers are absolutely asinine you know because you're locking 25 year old games behind like your highest tier I, I, yeah, I, and then and there's Nintendo who does it with like you're feeding their content, but I don't know what's worse. I will say like I usually Game Pass is probably the better one just because most of the time the only reason you'd be locked out of something is if you're not paying for like the highest tier that gets you like um, X Cloud or whatever they call it now, and like that there's certain games that it's like if you don't have the device you can't play it. But other than that. Like, you basically have access to, like, everything if you have, like, a PC and or a console. Right. I get, I get and, I mean, there'll be certain titles you can't get if you don't have the console. So it's not like it's perfect. But I, I think that even with what they did here with Diablo, I mean, it sets a weird precedent, but I'm not, I still think Microsoft is probably, like, the least evil in how yeah. they do their... I mean, I can I can kind of side with Nintendo a little more here because like you're paying fifty dollars a year, right? Versus you're paying I think it's like twenty one dollars a month for Game Pass Premium now or Game Pass Ultimate. Um, Is it twenty one now? You can just be like seventeen or fifty. So it's twenty one nineteen here in uh, Michigan with tax because <laughs> it just came out. Uh, yeah, 
it just came out of my checking account today. Um, but it, it's, you know, like, I get that there's like a thousand titles in there, but like, it's crazy to think like, this is something that used to cost me $10 a month. Um, you know, cause it was Xbox Live Gold originally, but I do, I do agree. Like there's more value there than, you know, your generic, like Nintendo where they roll out four games every three months. Right. Yeah. And I think Xbox, I mean, maybe it sounds like he's apologizing for the corporation, but just from a value standpoint, I think having day and date, like new releases is still like worth it. Cause like Nintendo doesn't do that. Sony doesn't really do that yet. Um, so I think them being a little more expensive makes sense. I don't know why Sony, I mean, Sony's pricing is just because they can get away with it. Yeah. $119 a year for maybe three games day and date and a bunch of other random bullshit. Uh, they don't even, they really told us they're not having any first party the whole year. So, which actually made me want to fucking jump off a cliff uh, i'm like are you kidding me i just i just secured the ps5 like this time last year and after it's the first time in i think four console generations i wasn't able to get a, a system like day of launch that i wanted i said yeah, it was very hard this generation I sat with four different browsers open on four different sites trying to get one and for weeks on end during COVID because I mean, what the fuck else was I going to do? Right. And and now I'm like locked out of any first party titles for a year and the life cycle of the systems apparently like almost over. Like that's kind of uh, yeah, I guess crazy. we can talk about that too. <laughs> That's kind of why I was like, going that direction. Makes sense, because we saw, after the FTC, Microsoft stuff, a bunch of leaks that say Microsoft is obviously working on their next generation. But apparently that next generation is, is likely closer than we think, like only like a couple years away, which, I mean, I'm not saying that we have like, we obviously have some first party coming out with Microsoft that they announced earlier this year, but... Still not honestly that much. Now, based on like a recent um, interview they had, which we'll probably talk about afterwards, mm -hmm. they will likely announce more stuff in summer that wasn't ready to be discussed. I don't know how that works, but sure. Um, but then with, uh, with Sony especially, it feels like they themselves coming out saying we're late in the cycle. Yeah. is kind of disheartening because like for two years, it was just hard to get your hands on devices Vex just said. So the console generation feels like it just started. Like last year when we were talking about gaming, it was like one of the best years in terms of like for us as gamers playing games. Uh, so I felt like the generation had finally got its kickstart. And now it's like, well, we're halfway or more so than that done. So yeah. by n this time next year, we could already be having... Well, I say leaks, but we already have leaks, but I guess like a more solid idea of what the next generation looks like, and that's weird to think about. Yeah, there there's something fishy going on here, and it's it's greed is what it really boils down to. Cause these these companies have taken a massive loss. And it's not just me that's had like this issue. I know 
Red was able to get his hands on the PS5 like a few weeks before I was, maybe a month. Um, my best friend got hers like two weeks after me, and like the the fact that there is this nice little well, we kind of called it from you know fans and everybody in the like the distancing from physical media and that being a way for them to cut more costs for the next generation and the fact that there's you know there's literally patents have come out from Microsoft like hey this this is a digital future right and the whole leaks and now like Sony seeing the success of the PlayStation Portal uh their little pseudo handheld they uh they're seeing like there's a drive for you know not having to have that as well because convenience so i figure that the reason they're distancing themselves from this generation is to just cut costs on the the manufacturing not having the bundle in a drive unless because they saw like the success of like the the slap on drive for the ps5 slim um as well so like there's there's just something about like the amount of greed we're seeing out of the game industry that's probably going to cause another crash that i i'm kind of in a way looking forward to as dark as that phrasing is because we know we're just the generation i'm just asking for crashes in like the housing market and like every other market that's just making it hard to do anything I mean, you're right, like, me scooping up a house, you know, you know, would be a nice thing that would come out of the housing market crash, but, uh... <laughs> yeah, but, like, with gaming, like, the thing people are saying is that we're already kind of witnessing that, mm-hmm. which I, I think, I guess, speaking to that, um, I will say, I don't think, because, like, there was, of course, a huge market crash, like, before we were even born, or, like, I think right before we were born, uh, where, like, like the gaming industry looked like it was dead, and I think any crash that's happening now isn't going to be that bad, just because the industry is way bigger than it used to be, and also because like we're looking at it from the perspective of like these major studios that are losing a bunch of employees, which isn't good, but it also there's also like so many smaller studios and some studios that are gaining their independence, which is another topic we'll be discussing. And, of course, like, there's the mobile industry, which is doing crazy good, for better or worse. Uh, so I think there'll still be games around. But the issue is, right now, we're going to be seeing a whole shift in, like, what kinds of games are going to be released, which, you know, it might mean that we're not going to get as many, like, huge AAA games, like, well, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which we just talked about. We'll probably see less of, like, those types of games uh, and probably much more smaller scale things. That's my that's my guess because I think some of the more medium scale games are seeing success more just because like they you sell or you invest less money into them because they don't acquire as much, and then you get a fair profit if they do well. Like the team Asano, the people who make Bravely Default, they came out and said it's like, hey, we're making stuff in the Bravely series, and we'll let you know what's coming out. They probably can't yet because Nintendo's still delaying their console for the next year according to rumors mm-hmm. uh and i mean i think the sad thing about like triple a gaming going in this direction even though i don't mind smaller scale games is just that 
you know, recently Sega, they also had like some interviews from the Sonic developers and they said, it's like, oh, we we're glad that the last game did well. We don't think we're quite AAA yet, but we're hoping to get there pretty soon with our next entry. And I'm thinking to myself, if you told me this, like, when Sonic Frontiers came out, I'd be so happy just to, like, think about a AAA Sonic game. But now in the current year of 2024, I'm thinking, okay, the AAA industry is not looking good. Maybe right. we don't need to go too crazy with that. But at the same time, I would love to see a Sonic game with, like, the investment that, you know, um, other, like, major IPs get. Because if you – people have compared, like, the dev counts, like, Frontiers, which was, like, 120, and that's not all programmers. That's including designers, artists, and even marketing teams. Uh, and then you have like you know Breath of the Wild and like um, Mario, which are compared to, and they have like twice to three times the amount of people on their teams. So I would love the amount of investment in Sonic as those games get, because that would be great for me. But at the same time, I'm not sure I see an industry where that's like a safe thing to do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you look to, I guess, like, the closest thing to a AAA title from Sega at the moment would be probably the Yakuza slash, like, a Dragon series. Which... Yeah, and even that is honestly not quite there, but yeah, that would be the closest thing we got. Like, Persona in a few instances get close. Yeah, I mean, oh, I keep forgetting that, like, Persona is technically a Sega title. Yeah, uh, Atlas game, yeah. But, like, it, it's... That would probably be the closest to it, considering, like, how much they pump that shit out. Uh, but at the same time, mm -hmm. like, it's... None of those seem to be, like, massive profit for them, right? It, as wild as that is to think about, like, they're... The Persona franchise probably gets the closest... But also, they have so many different branches to that franchise that it can sustain itself like that. Whereas Sonic, you get one, maybe two games every few years. And That's true. I mean, nowadays that's true. But Sonic is actually still, like, honestly relatively profitable. Because um, I've actually looked into, like, the data of that because I'm that kind of fan. Uh, <laughs> so they do still make amount of money. And I think part of that is, yes, the big games, we only get so many a year because now they're focusing on, you know, producing less games and like bigger games when they release. But also we do still have like mobile titles, which um, do like give us a lot of money. There's like millions of people who play those games. They recently came out with another one on Apple Arcade and mm -hmm. there's some leaks of uh, mobile games coming out that are all but confirmed at this point. So the truth is that like Sonic still makes a lot of money through other means besides the game. So uh, that's why they have that transmedia guy come in because they're like, okay, this is working out great for us. Yeah, for Sonic, let's do this with everything else. And yeah, I think that that might be another direction for the future of games where it's like, okay, the games themselves can't hold up with the crazy budgets you put in. But if we invest in the IPs to make like, you know, really good movies and like maybe TV shows, because we're getting like so many TV shows coming out this year, like with Fallout, for example. I think you wanted to talk about Fallout. Um, and that I think that will allow those IPs to flourish and then get those big games because the games don't need to sustain the IP by itself. Well, I mean, there there's another um, side of that there because you have the Tell Me Cry anime, the Tomb Raider anime. We recently had Captain Laserhawk. 
Uh, we had all these other like massive, you know, franchises getting their um, like TV shows, and like you said, Fallout comes out in a few. I think April actually, um, like early April for that one, and then you have, you know, the Halo TV series which exists. Um, yeah, getting another season. It's getting a season three. Yep. Oh, please slit my throat. Um, oh wait, no, I th- we're talking about season two. No, it, that's on. That's that's happening. There, the, the, the definitely oh, has. All I thought the there was another season coming out. Check actually, because I thought I heard that there was another like YouTube short that came out. Uh, <laughs> please cancel it. <laughs> please cancel it. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, no. Season two is what just came out, so yeah, yeah I don't know if they said a- As three. a resident Halo fan in this call, please cancel it. <laughs> it doesn't need to happen again. I, I I'm sorry. Um it it, it, yeah. it has all the qualifications of a TV show and um none of the solo Halo. Unfortunate. <laughs> oh wait, whoops. That actually sounds better. I don't know what you did there. Oh, I went back to the Opera browser, which wasn't working before. Okay. Should I just stay on here? Yeah. Well, that's a lot crisper audio. What the hell? <laughs> okay. Okay. For people who don't know, behind the scenes thing, I, we usually record like this, where I just open up like the Opera Discord tab, which is very handy. But it wasn't working at all. But maybe it, it was something on the OBS that you changed? I don't know. Nope. I'm sitting looking at the Discord chat on that side. <laughs> Okay, I don't know. Whatever. We got this working. <laughs> Sorry for the bad audio from the first part. Yeah. Welcome to Control Chaos, where we are professionals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but no, like, there, there's a lot to be said about, like, that transmedia idea of, you know, moving forward. Uh, it, it's crazy to think about, like, on the Fallout side of things, like, you have Fallout 76, which was commercially panned for the first few years of its existence, and it's having, like, a little resurgence now. Kind of like No Man's Sky. Um, it'll never recover fully, but it also had, like, you know, some great ideas in it for the franchise. And then you had things like Fallout Shelter for the, you know, mobile side of things, which was loved. Um, so much so that the Westworld game, like, copied it down to the code. Uh, remember that controversy? <laughs> now? Yeah. That was, that. yeah uh, there was a Westworld game that was. Uh, Basically, just like a, you know, asset flip of it, I guess would be the best way to put it. And Bethesda's like, we "We know you stole our code because it even has the bugs that our game has in it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, that's why we have bugs, to thumbprint our games. I'm like, of all the Bethesda things, that is a beautiful thing to put in put out there and in the open line. Yeah, we know you stole our code because it's got our bugs. I just died laughing. It's like my senior year of college that was coming out. Um but we like that's something to think about like moving forward. And I love the idea of having like more quality movies like the Mario movie, the Sonic movie, and less uh crappy projects like the Halo TV show. Uh yeah. But I mean the other problem with it is because again, speaking to these video game topics, there's also like a Borderlands thing that's coming out in I'm, I'm not a huge Borderlands guy. I played some of two with the, my best friend who loves the series and a little bit of one. Um, but, like, apparently people aren't super big on the casting and the trailers have not looked so great. And uh, the PR has been like, yeah, we didn't. We want to make our own thing. And it's like, yeah. okay, 
I don't know how this will turn out because you, again, that you, could go either way. You so have a there's going to be projects. You have a dude who's five three playing a dude that's supposed to be six one. Yeah, speaking as someone who's about that height five three, like I should not be playing any character that's supposed to be taller than me, unless it's a joke. Uh, so yeah, I, there, with all these game projects, I feel like same with games. There will be like ones that aren't good, ones that will be like surprisingly good which you know that's just how everything works but i think the idea of like games like getting more support from outside and also like more multi-platform releases based on like how phil spencer himself like talked about it in like the last press meeting that xbox released is a good idea just for like games to kind of sustain itself like while going forward but at the same time i think there needs to be some practice changes because gaming, triple gay gaming as it stands, is not sustainable. Because Insomniac released like Spider Man and it was like considered one of the best games like released last year among the games that were already amazing. Nominated and for Game of They had by the to way. like let go of so many people while having so many projects in the works. Nominated for Game of the Year is not a qualifier for keeping your job anymore. Um, yeah. Which is crazy. We saw the numbers and they just did not, like, it was just too expensive to make. And Ratchet and Clank, like, I heard so many good things about that game that I figured it's like, oh, cool. Like, that's just a whole platformer series that I guess I'm just missing out on. And I probably am still. But it just did not make them enough money to justify it. Sunset Overdrive, which is an IP I was always praying for them to come back, even if it is on, like, PlayStation platform now. Uh, that lost a lot of money, so it that made sequel's all never of like a hundred dollars, and I'm like, yeah, it makes sense why they didn't make a sequel, even though they left it open to make a sequel. Um, I just finished the Ratchet and Clank um game like two three weeks ago, and it was a fen- phenomenal uh game. Even though I'm not a big platform person, I've always loved the Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter games, uh, and Sly Cooper, but. Like, I understand if they don't make another Ratchet and Clank. They, I believe, said they were going to. Yeah, um, the leaks, say, have that. And it's like their only non-Marvel project, mm-hmm. so fingers crossed for that. But also for Ratchet and Clank, like, specifically, um, speaking of someone who is, like, a platformer guy, uh, the only real, like, non-Nintendo platformer, because Nintendo, of course, has, like, all the iconic platformers, the only real non-Nintendo platformer that's like, considered a big competitor right now is Sonic. And that's not because, even though I love Sonic, it's, like, a lot. It, Sonic is not, like, considered, like, the pinnacle of gaming at the same time. Uh, and it's just successful because of the IP, because of how it's been used in other ways. And hopefully that changes with the next games as well. But at the same time, I'm hoping that Ratchet and Clank, um, that Toys for Bob, when they come out with what they have, will have more competitive platformers out there. Because there are some good platformers, but they just aren't, they're just either indie platformers that not many people have tried or played out, or they are platformers that just haven't had much success, apparently. Yeah, I mean, there's like a Hat in Time, there's Celeste, there's, you know, things like Oh yeah, I've played all of them, and they're great. You know, yeah, but the, ukulele was not as good, but I liked it. Yeah, but like they, they um, exist out there, and I, I, I swear, like ukulele is on like every third humble bundle. It seems like, um, yeah, you know, because they want people to play this game, I guess, so they can make like a sequel to it. Uh, because they made a DLC, the Impossible Layer, 
Oh. And Wait, no, I thought that, that was a separate game. That's not DLC, right? At, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was like an expansion pack style DLC. Um, oh, I thought it was a separate game entry because it felt like a totally different style. Yeah, um, it, but it yeah, I haven't be. played that one yet. I, it could be. But, I could just be, you know, misinterpreting it. But yeah, there's like a lot of cool indie platformers out there. And I mean, we didn't even talk about like more like the Metroidvania style ones. God. Um, there's like, a lot of those, but there aren't many like triple A out again outside Nintendo and Sonic. Uh, and even Sonic's barely AAA by s- the standards of the developers themselves, because mm-hmm. there was a whole interview about that. So the fact that you know they're trying to do it is great, because I want more platformers that are high grade as a platformer fan, and because I love the genre. And I'm hoping Ratchet and Clank could do it. And again, we'll talk about Toys for Bob, I guess now. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> there I mean, there's um, it was one of the studios that were seeming to be affected by the you know redundancy shrinking. Uh, for the Activision slash Microsoft merger, right? Yeah, all mergers will have that. And I mean, we kind of expected it, but the amount of layoffs they've had, I think are also just systemic from the what's ever happening in the game industry now. Again, according to Phil Spencer, just because the industry hasn't expanded enough, which, I mean, I, I don't, don't know what that means. I don't buy that phrasing one fucking bit, by the way, considering, like, the gaming industry had its biggest growth ever during COVID because everybody was at Yeah, home. that's what I also don't get because more people are playing games in general and not just like the mobile style games that, you know, people were already playing. Like more right. people are getting into like Animal Crossing. I saw so many people getting into Danganronpa like decades after that game came out. Right. And, like I understand that like, we're we're seeing like nationwide, you know, correction for the amount of growth that we saw during COVID, which I expected, you know, even from having like no brain power in the business world past being a supervisor, there's, you know, there it was expected, right? Like there would be some shrinkage afterwards, but I never expected to this degree in every field. Like I know there are people that have been trying for ye- a year plus now to get a job. Um Yeah. And even like some of the more higher paying jobs, like I think my parents both had like recent job shifts. Granted, that was also just due to some other circumstances rather than the pandemic. But considering their career fields, like they were still like, okay, we found had to find something new and they were able to do it relatively quickly, thankfully. But yeah, yeah, every industry has been more or less affected. Yeah, like, this is my job's slow period. Like, I've had three weeks of just being able to sit on my ass at home, which has been nice, because I've got to sit and play video games and, you know, do everything. But I also, like, I've never seen a slow period this long in my field, and it's crazy. Um, So I'm hoping, like, now that taxes are coming back, it's like, well, now you can go back to, you know, work um, and not, you know staying off the same amount of my bank account for another couple of weeks because uh yeah that's not fun uh but like there's there's so much craziness in that like there we haven't seen growth in the gaming industry when like peak covid i i was shipping out like pallets full of fucking switches and ps5s and xboxes and it like there's no way that there was no growth in the gaming industry and we've seen like the numbers for it like 
know, Animal Crossing had like the best timing to be released back, you know, during that because you know, it was a cozy game while everybody was sitting at home, not knowing what the state of the world would be in a few weeks, you know, and how we're still seeing like the ramifications of that, you know, years later. But to think that like we had this much of a correction needed in the industry, and I'm putting needed in parentheses there in quotes. But it's crazy um, to see this year alone. I think the tally was at like fifteen thousand, so like six thousand when we recorded the last one, and I was like fifteen thousand. That number could have changed since we started recording those too. Um, jobs lost, and I was seeing like there are people that had left one studio, went on to work for another project. That also got shuttered and then shifted to a third position, and it also got you know shut down for redundancy. And it's insane. Like specifically, like a couple of the devs that went to work on respawns, like uh, Star Wars game. They're they're like, yeah, I left one studio, went to another, and then came to respawn like shortly after that, and now I'm also being told that that is no longer a thing. <laughs> it, and then those people aren't losing their jobs. They're just not working on IP, um, like outside IP, I guess is what Respawn's being told. Like EA is not going to be focusing on like external IP. They're going to be focusing on like internal. Um, but that they were hired specifically for this project, right? <clears throat> I think you lost your audio again, man. Oh, oh did I? There you go. You're back in. Oh, okay. Uh, that was weird. But yeah, yeah, I was still hearing you the whole time, so I didn't know. But like the the fucking like that that baffled me, right? Like three job shifts in the span of a year. Uh is crazy to think about. Like I job hopped before I landed where I'm at, but like I it was never for like yeah, we're we're just closing you down kind of thing right like that's insane to think about i could not imagine as a kid who wanted to work in games now having the, the same thought process because there's no stability in it yep um so let's see i think we've been talking for a little while now what other topics did we have because i know we had quite a few um there is holy shit let me scroll down for a minute here. Da, 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 da. I had to sort through like the 85 million, like, hey, this studio's having closures and this. Um, yeah, I mean, that was most of it. But at this point, it's just like a systemic issue that we just kind of have to hope gets resolved. Yeah. And, and I also just like, gotta feel bad for those people who are you know been studying for game dev like mm -hmm. for a long time or people who are looking forward to like getting into gaming maybe going about to choose what to study and yeah it's gonna be a very weird period in the industry for yeah the next couple so of years. it's three that are actually leaving uh embracer um or two uh gearbox is closing in on sale the sale and saber yeah. was the other one uh, who's yep, working Saber. on, on Kotor remake, Warhammer 40k Space Marine? Uh, yeah, and based on what I've heard, like they might still be able to work on that somehow. 
which I'm not entirely sure how that works. Maybe that's just how the deal. Because like when I heard about Toys for Bob yesterday, I was thinking to myself, it's like, okay, but all their IPs still belong to Microsoft. And, you know, so I thought it's like that makes sense why they're still planning on working with Microsoft mm-hmm. on probably said IPs. Um, and I think best case scenario is that they become like a second party, mm-hmm. um, which still would allow them to technically release titles onto other platforms. But then be a, Microsoft would hopefully be more willing to lend those the IPs that they are known for working on than compared to like a third party. And the reason I say that is just because of what happened with Platinum Games. Which, for those who don't know what I'm talking about when I say that, like, Scalebound was, like, a huge game that I think really got my interest with the Xbox platform. Mm-hmm. Didn't go through. Uh, but now we're in a time where, you know, both sides took some share of the blame, but Platinum Games, you would sometimes see them literally reaching out to Phil Spencer through some interview saying, it's like, come on, Phil, give us a second chance. We can do Scalebound. And it's like, okay, this is sad. So yeah. I can understand Microsoft not entrusting IPs as much to third parties. Yeah, uh, I I love the idea of Scalebound, but it was so ambitious that, like, now I, in the state of the fucking game industry, I don't think that that would be a feasible project for any investor. Um, yeah, and I can't blame them as sad as that is, because, like, I still want, like, really cool games and interesting concepts to come out, but... I it does seem like the best thing to do is like okay we're gonna come out with creative stuff but they're gonna be smaller scale creative stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm okay I, with that. I, it's like let Team Asano like, make more stuff. Let them come out with Dragon Quest remakes and Bravely Defaults and Triangle Strategies. We get games like that out. Yeah, but with Saber they were a part of THQ's bundle that got sold in, so that's why I'm kind of like, how would that work? Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I also don't understand how the Tomb Raider IP is handling through Amazon. But you know what? Someone That's... somewhere who has way more money than any of us will have is a- was able to get all that set up. I'm, I'm assuming it's just like a publishing thing, so they would get like exclusive rights to maybe the movie was how that was handled, considering like how deep Amazon's going into the streaming wars now. You look at things like the Rings of Power, how big that was for them to push and it, every fucking episode of that cost like multiple millions of dollars to film and it even as a lord of the rings fan it was a pile of shit um but it you know was a huge investment for them i would assume like that's similar for like tomb raider um yeah Saber... i'm kind of for the streaming wars i'm just kind of hoping for that collapse <laughs> frankly because like i mean right now like all the streaming Services that are like, yeah, we can't really sustain this are looking for mergers, which is, you know, a whole other problem. But like with Netflix, for example, like some of those mobile Sonic games I was kind of alluding to earlier in a discussion, like one of them is theoretically going into the Netflix gaming service, which is a thing that exists. And I'm like, that's great. I'm not signing back up for Netflix, though. So I'm waiting for Netflix to just like not be a thing. (laughs) And then maybe I'll get it. Like, Netflix, I can see existing the longest, strangely, it and Amazon. Yeah, that's a sad part, because, like, they keep, they've been increasing their prices and increasing subscriber count, and I'm like, the math isn't mathing here, but okay. I'm assuming, like, people are leaving, like, their Peacocks and their Hulus and all of that behind, because... Uh, Probably. It's the only way that really makes sense. Because, like, with things like Peacock, like, I get... 
can it and then go back when I want to see something that's on there. Same with like Apple TV. Like I recently canceled it again because like there's nothing on there that I want to watch at the moment. So it saves me six bucks a month. But like the fact that it, both fucking Netflix and Crunchyroll have a game service now is hilarious to me. Because like those are two things you're like, huh, on what planet does this make sense? <laughs> I guess like, yeah. Crunchyroll makes more sense because, you know, anime and a lot of games are anime inspired. But like, yeah, there's that. But then at the same time, like you said, it's still kind of silly. Yeah. Especially like when you think about like Crunchyroll, like really is not doing a very good job with their game service. Like with Netflix, I think the idea is that, they you know, much like shows. how game, like Game Pass is described as the Netflix of gaming. Mm-hmm. So Netflix can literally just have games where people are like, you're paying a stupid amount of money for like shows that are sometimes great, sometimes not good, but mostly you're just watching the same stuff you've always been watching. So you might as well just get some games to play along with that. Yeah. Uh, you, you so like it's basically Stranger the same things. thing. You like Stranger Things? Here's a pseudo XCOM game based around Stranger Things consume please we need more money uh the thing is though the more game pass and netflix games expands like the more like services like apple will mm-hmm. have to contend with uh these services trying to get like you know free from their ios platform because apple is not very friendly towards like people outside their platform i love that epic kind of won in a way but also didn't win you know because now thanks to like side loading uh and laws in the EU like it they have to allow um other systems and stores to be allowed in on like EU iPhones. yeah but they also still I, I've looked into it they have like the craziest amount of criteria in order to be still mm-hmm. allowed mm-hmm. as a side loader it's so yeah insane. I mean they're not making it easy no but... they're not they're, they also got and around, it's also just the EU also. Mm, so they got around the whole like having to cha- uh, change to USB C by making like Apple certified USB C cords. And I'm like, of course Which, you did. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like, is this port certified through Apple? It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like because I bought AirPods um, with the gift card I was given during Christmas, uh, I made sure it was USB C. And, like, the difference between charging from... Because uh, I, I wanted to test it. Because, um, of course, I did. My background's in tech. I, I bought, like, the Apple USB-C cable and uh, Apple charging brick. And then I used, like, my one for my, my S23 Ultra. And the difference in charging is hilarious. Because it's a lot different than you would think. It's almost like they have a way of throttling it through. <laughs> I feel like they have to because, like, I started even using different Apple chargers, like, through, like, different ports has changed the amount of charging. But that I kind of expected more mm-hmm. than whatever they're doing now. Right. Because, like, it char- charged my... Because I drained my AirPods for to test it. I... <clears throat> I to like zero percent like made sure they were both dead charged it on like my s23 ultras uh charger which is just generic samsung um quick charger 
like three hours. The the Apple certified one it charged it in an hour. I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I, I, I almost want to tear apart the case to my AirPods <laughs> just to figure out what the hell they did. But I, I realized like my engineering side is not going to be able to reassemble it. <laughs> uh Apple's crazy. But there's there's one other interesting aspect to the whole choice for Bob side of this, right? Cycling back to that. Um yep. and it's games like Crash Team Rumble, right? And this is <laughs> this is something that I kind of expected when I saw it as well. And I this is a game nobody asked for, by the way. Like literally nobody. Uh it's I guess the best way to put it is it's kind of like I I never played it, so it seems like it's kind of like a Rumbleverse party animal style game. Um, from what I was viewing of it before this, uh, in I like the idea of throwing all of your content into one final battle pass for players, right? But and making that battle pass free. But uh, like Rumbleverse, that was the sign of EOL for that game, right? End of life. So uh, there's the possibility that this game could be another $30, $40 coaster and like a couple months, depending on if they want to sustain it um, at Activision, right? And I don't figure this is a very popular game, like at all. Because I had only yeah, heard about I mean, it. When I was looking through like the reactions, there were some people who were a little upset, but you know, most people didn't really care. And a lot of us just understood that this was going to happen, especially with like Toys for Bob going independent. They probably couldn't sustain it anyhow. And Microsoft might just not have any interest in it. You know, there's... The sad part about like the industry as a whole too, right, is because as we shift towards more live service, you know, things like, I think the player count last week for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League was like 6,000 players total on uh, Steam. Like, arguably, like, how long will that game survive, right? Think about it for, you know, more than two seconds and you'll realize, like, even with all the ideas that Rocksteady had for something like that, would it be worth supporting with player count that low on one of your major platforms, right? Like, Gotham Knights had more players than Suicide Squad did. A game that came out three, four years ago. And it's not full live service. It has live service aspects to it, but it's not full live service. It's not constantly online. Um, But, you know, Suicide, Skill, uh, Suicide Squad is, like, fully online... You have to have, like, connection. You have all the, like, microtransactions, all that shit bundled into it. Would, you know, if that studio gets affected, would they keep that game up? That's kind of where this came from. Like, feasibly and, you know, financially speaking, I I wouldn't picture Crash Team Rumble being around this time next year. Um, Which is sad because, you know, it's, like, marketed towards kids, you know, it's another loss and it'll become, you know, technically lost media. And that's something I always hate to see. But I also understand like, this is a game nobody fucking asked for to begin with. It's like when they put out the, um, 
I think it was like a Crashing Racing remake two, three years ago. Everybody was bitching because there was a bunch of microtransactions in it. And I'm like, huh. At least they rolled that back. Kind of like the Chocobo Racing for um, Square Enix. They rolled back their, like, Yeah, Chocobo GPX or something like that. Yeah, they rolled all their stuff back. And it also, I think, shut down fully. Uh, I'm not entirely sure on that one. It's been so long. But there, there's a lot of, like, all of the, like, craziness in there. Uh, to think about, you know, moving forward in the game industry. And I just saw that because it didn't load the image for your last one. The 505 uh, giving Remedy, like, access to the control. Yeah, for some reason, whenever I post links into our thread, it's just like, nope, Party Jams doesn't get (laughs) expanded links. That's why I always put a description at the bottom just so I remember what it's about. But yeah, the 505 thing. Yeah. When I saw like control, like Remedy getting all of control, I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm glad they have like full control of the IP, but I also was like, where did that come from? And then we find out, like, I think just like at the end of the day yesterday or this morning, uh, that because 505 Games is just closing down so many of their offices. So it's like, oh, okay, they just can't and they just needed to recuperate some cash. Okay. So, I mean, sad for 505 Games, but also it's like good for Remedy. Mm-hmm. Just saw this one because, like, I thought Control had like a good amount of <clears throat> a good amount of potential for like an IP, like, and I thought a lot of people seemed to really like it. And I think I think came on Game Pass and it got more popular. Yeah. After uh, it got an Ultimate Edition, it had a little bit of blowback because they were charging for like the upgrade, um, and then they rolled that back, kind of like Horizon did. But also, they kind of uh, didn't roll it back fully. I think they still charge, like, after a certain date, like, uh, Horizon. And I kind of understand it because it was, like, a year or so after the PS5 came out. Like, you know, I understand, like, giving free launches at the beginning or free upgrades at the beginning. But, like, I also understand, like, wanting to get a little bit of profit back kind of thing. But there's, um, that game was so good. Like... The map sucked. I'll give I'll give people that, but like overall, that game was so fucking good. Um, it was one of the more fun things I played during COVID. Uh, and I I really love the idea of the shared universe. Uh, that Remedies put out, and now they have full control over another one of their um uh, parts that kind of helped launch it, so to speak. So I'm really happy for them there, and I know they're working on a. C- sequel to it as well and this makes that so much easier um but i also realized they still need to get like full control (laughs) over max pain and quantum break and i know quantum break was one of those that a lot of people have mixed feelings towards i love the idea of it i do realize it it was a little bit clunky (laughs) Um, yeah, it was like among the we talked about like other titles like Scalebound being ambitious, but Quantum Break was like crazy in terms of ambition because they really want to go with like a whole transmedia thing going on, and there was like a lot of like money investment to it. Mm-hmm. I will say it's like an IP that people still remember, so I think it, it can't be said to be like a complete failure. But I also like agree with you that you know 
in the hands of like someone who's going to do more with it, like Remedy, I would be pretty happy to see that because especially if it's only going to collect dust otherwise. Because like recently on Game Pass, well, not too recently, but not too long ago on Game Pass, they had to pull it off the service just because of like some music license they had mm-hmm. to renew. So it's like, okay, at this point, if we're just going to leave it there and only bring it back occasionally and take it off whenever we have to renew a license, you might as well give it to someone who's like likely to make use of the IP. Yeah, I mean, we we saw like sock images cause issues with Metal Gear Solid uh, not too uh, long ago even and they get delisted from platforms and then get relisted after they patched things um so it kind of makes you wonder like what the issue is and i i do think there might have been like a lot of meddling from microsoft during that era uh that made it kind of clunky um because they seemed like they wanted to do a lot more with it than actually ended up getting done with it right um there wasn't like a whole lot that actually came about like the whole transmedia part of it but i could be wrong i don't remember the the tv show ever you know coming to life <laughs> they were yeah me know, neither talk, they were talking about maybe they did like some web shorts they got you know nuked from the internet at some point um i mean we're, we're like 3 4 years later and like the life of strange tv show never came out that they announced uh as well it gives in the same time period um so i don't know maybe it'll still come about and that'll be when like hey by the way remedy's got full control of it here's the crazy like cross-dimensional tv show that explains the whole remedy universe right that might be how they handle it who knows but uh wouldn't that be something that would be crazy um but I would love it. Like it, it's such a unique concept, this shared universe they've created. Um, I figure of all of them, though, like the one that would be the hardest for them to get full control over would be Max Payne, right? Because Rockstar is like a dick when it comes to like handing over any rights whatsoever. Look to bully. <laughs> they've you know developers that worked on like Bully Two just angrily update uploaded like files to their linkedins back when the the sequel got quietly shuttered uh, that was really fun to watch them dmca their own employees <laughs> mm-hmm. but um yeah I, I i hope they get control over those two though like i i really want to see like this shared universe get, like go full batshit insane Cause, so, like, what are all the IPs that are technically in this shared universe by this point? It is Quantum Break was, like, the tease for it. Right. And then Control kind of launched it. And then Alan Wake exists within it, as well as Max Payne. Somebody can correct okay. me in the comments if I'm missing something, uh, or I'm misinterpreting something, but... That's my understanding of it so far. Okay. Because, like, I definitely knew about the first three. Like, especially as Quantum Break was, like, you know, advertised to be something like that. And then Control was, like, very much from the start part of it. Alan Wake, I think especially, like, the sequel that came out, Mm -hmm. they, like, re-emphasized, like, yes, this is, like, a part of the universe. And the universe is still very relevant. And now it's, like, Control in their hands. That was nice. But Max Payne, I didn't remember. So, okay. Yeah. I I think it's more just like the 
background lore of Max Payne is what's, you know, linking it, but I could be fully wrong on that. I also okay. think that's well, all that Remedies worked on. <laughs> um, yeah. Probably. So, like, they, they don't have a very big catalog, but they've got a very good catalog, and I love that for them. Uh, while we were talking, yeah. though, uh, speaking of, you know, double-A games, I guess we call these, uh, Octopath got quietly delisted from the Switch eShop. Yeah, I just saw you posted that. I don't really know what to make of it, because... Like Octopath, um, for those who don't know, this is the we're talking about the original one, and this came out on uh, originally as exclusive to the mm-hmm. Switch, uh, but then later it got ported onto PC. Eventually, came onto Xbox Game Pass, which made it all the more surprising that when the sequel came out, uh, Octopath Traveler Two, that came out on like all the platforms except Xbox. I don't mm-hmm. understand that to this day. And, like, Sony, like, with the original Octopath, like, they didn't even get this one yet, despite getting two. And they're not, like, connected. It's, like, a Final Fantasy kind of thing. Um, But at the same time, it's weird. Yeah. So the fact that this is getting delisted, I don't know what to make of it, because the Octopath series is, like, not one that's very consistent on what platform it is when. Uh, Uh, So it could be that they're porting a bunch of stuff to the next system, but then... I don't see a reason to remove it. Yeah. Especially so, if it's not being removed on other platforms. So the thing is, like, Wario tweeted a second tweet after that that the publisher changed uh, in December from Nintendo to Square Enix. There was, like, a licensing shift. So maybe oh. they're doing, like, a remaster or, like, an upscale for the other platforms. I don't know. Um, I, it's a I mean, strange I, I, thing. My problem with that is that I feel like they, if they want to like do that, like for all the platforms, get like a remake out, make it prettier, is that they still have it listed on Steam and I yes, the Xbox Store. Um, yeah, it, it's very interesting. I have a physical cartridge, so I don't really give a shit. Uh, I do understand Nintendo not being the publisher publisher anymore just because it's no longer like an exclusive right like ip to their service but you know why now is kind of the thing. yeah it, um, the shift was in december though so maybe it's because the original licensing ended finally and they got a the square's got to be the one to like put it back up or don't put it back up who knows i don't know how nintendo's i, know. I mean i also works. don't know if this affects like their timasano's other works because like they have like like Live Live, I think, still mm-hmm. on their platform, which probably is Nintendo published, I would think. But like the Bravely series, uh, I don't that that was exclusive to Nintendo platforms mm-hmm. for a while until like the sequel came out. So yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe Square Enix just wants to put it on more platforms, which makes sense. You get more mm-hmm. money, potential customers, but. At the same time, I do understand that Nintendo is going to be where they get most of the money because, like, you know, obviously this is going to be more popular oh, in Japan absolutely. than out in the West. And then there's just like Sony or Nintendo, which is why they didn't put Octopath 2 on Xbox, I guess. But at the same time, I think they'll still get more sales and they probably are putting in more money into this IP, which they'll need more returns on. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see, like, if it actually. Um, changes anything in the next couple days after we record this? Um, yeah, I'll keep an eye on uh, that one. If it does, like, keep an eye on our Twitters because we'll probably. But 
Well, know, at least I'll in. probably put something. I'll log into the Control Chaos one and tweet about it after I put this up uh, as well, like if something changes. But it it's strange seeing a game from 2018 just now get affected by something that happened in 2023. Uh, it's I I don't I don't get it. But yeah, uh, I don't either. But at the same time, it's not like the first time a game has been pulled from a service when a license publish comes out because like with like Sega for example they had a, they have a bunch of games on Apple Arcade and one of them was like Choo Choo Rocket which actually is how I just played the IP for the first time it was pretty fun but it just got delisted eventually when the license expired and it's just now nowhere and I think Platinum is going to be in a similar situation with some of their IPs they had a couple games on that service so you know when a license expires, it, you just can't put it on the store, and I guess they didn't bother to renew it, possibly because the next Nintendo system's coming out anyway, and they've reached saturation with the Switch sales. Yeah. So from a business standpoint, I can kind of understand it, but you know, from a preservation standpoint, it's all kinds of nonsense. Yeah, I mean, this will be like one of those instances where like the original cartridge will be worth a lot of money if that's the case, kind of thing, and you'll see. Oh yeah, like- for sure. And, I mean, I guess that's just how it is. But I also think Octopath's a game where I can see it getting a re-release eventually. Because, like, um, for Octopath, it's not just the original game and sequel. There's, like, a whole mobile game that uh, is apparently doing pretty decently, which I'm a little surprised about because the Bravely mobile games, like, they all sunk. And they kept trying a couple times. I think they tried again recently. Yeah, But Octopath's apparently been doing pretty good. I know Thurman was playing the, like, uh, octopath mobile game when i was living there and he yeah i was playing it too for a little while but it's like compared to like the mobile games that you and i play like they do not price it very well because it's like they it's like they're like okay you have to pay a good amount of money for our gotcha content and i'm like do you know how many gotchas i'm playing i'm not doing that Mm -hmm. Uh, i i it's enough asking a monthly pass is probably the most you can ask for for the big purchases at least for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had it just for like the regular gotchas. And I'm just like, nah, that's dumb. But they're still making money somehow. Yeah. Off I, I, I downloaded it because he was saying like it was really good. I'm like, I'll watch it. A, I'll watch a story recap on this. I'm not paying that price. I did the same thing. Yeah, no, thing. that's much smarter, honestly. I did and the especially same thing like if Tails ever gets like a gotcha game again, like that's the best way to do it. Just watch a story recap. Yep. They just keep going down. Like, yeah, for Octopath, it's like is tied to like there's like a whole narrative they put into it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, Timasana is very good at making games, but Square is not always the best at delivering <laughs> where those games should go. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's that's not their thing. fault. Same thing that's happening. Like it happened with Kingdom Hearts and it's happening with Nier now. Um, Heck, technically, it's happening with Final Fantasy and their NFT nonsense that we just brought up. Yeah. But like, because we get a cool Final Fantasy game, considered one of the best ever released, according to some reviewers, uh, and it's going to be perverted by some bad business practices. But I, yeah, I what can you do? I'm like fifty fifty on this NFT. Like, it's just fucking art cards. Like, it's like digital trading cards. I'm not as angry about that as I should be. True. I, it's probably not the worst way to use it, but it's also one of those things where I still hope it. Oh, absolutely. Just to get rid of the 
practice. Yep, absolutely. So like with ASP, for example, which has been the other big controversy that's happening in the gaming world, I can AI in some capacity has always existed, and I can see its use in the future as like a tool. It's when it starts replacing people's jobs that it's like a problem. Yeah, that in autonomy, but you know, then we're getting into some sci-fi stuff right yeah. there. But like it's AI replacing people's jobs is bad, but AI being used by people the way we use like any sort of device or technical tool, I mean, that's good and useful. Yeah, it, so, it's you know. become the buzzword. NFTs, though, I didn't see like a way that really works that yeah. we could get behind. Yeah, there. It's the difference in the terms, right? Like AI has become the buzzword for everything artificial intelligence, right? Which you know, at the core basis, that's what it is. But like, there's a difference between generative. Yeah, it's kind of like when monster collectors first started getting popular in the '90s, and everyone called it Pokemon. I remember being a Digimon. I mean, I'm still a Digimon fan, but like when I was even more bigger into Digimon as a kid. My parents, of course, just saw it all the same, and in their defense, I get it. Yeah. But it was still, like, really annoying. Yeah, like, it's the generative AI, which is based around theft and scraping data that's bad, versus, like, AI that, you know, you put inside a robot and you have it do the tasks that actually hurt people, you know, that kind of thing, like... As scummy as it is, uh, Amazon's testing, and this is new so I can talk about it, uh, they're testing in the UK robots to push the giant tanks full of, you know, totes from place to place inside the the mods, right? Instead of that being like 25 miles walked for each employee doing that per day, you know, and it causing wear and tear on their feet, their knees, because these are like 100, 200 pound, you know, piles of totes getting pushed from one end of the building to the other. Uh, so they're testing like, essentially like the iRobot style robots, you know, are powered by like AI to where it's knows where the totes need to go based on, you know, how many packages are being shipped out, right? You know, stuff like that, you know, good use of AI. The AI this you know, scraping data for voice actors, bad. You know, that kind of thing. And um, <clears throat> I guess the last topic for this episode is like the whole controversy surrounding like Jeff Keighley. Um, I don't know if you saw this one. I did not. I actually did not even see that on a list. Uh, this was one that came out like yesterday or the day before uh, where he was talking about the um, and I actually filmed a TikTok about this by it's just sitting in my drafts because like I had filmed it like right before I left and then like my brain went to like more family stuff because I'm dealing with that right now. But, um, the, he, instead of talking about, like, the industry as a whole and, like, how it's crashing around him, he decided to promote the, that AI scent thing that was going around. <laughs> um, and people were calling him out for it because, like, he went to bat for Kojima famously, right? That was, like, the big thing that kind of took the Game Awards back into the spotlight from being, like, the cringe fest that it was, where it's like, Game of the Year, powered by Mountain Dew Game Fuel. Remember that era of the Game Awards? Oh, uh, uh, gosh. I mean, yeah, we were still transitioning, like, off of, like, I think the Spike nonsense that we once had. Yeah, so, and I get, I get the fact that he has, like, shareholders and, like, that company that made that product is probably a sponsor for Summer Game Fest. That was some deal he made with them, right? But that was his single tweet in the days that 
we saw like back to back to back to back, you know, layoffs and studio closures and all that. And people were calling about on like, why did you call out one particular issue, but you won't even speak, you know, broadly on this. And they were bringing up like Greg Miller from kind of funny who was hosting the dice Wars, who during the award ceremony is like, I don't give a fuck. I'll talk about it. Um, and they're like, maybe we need a different figurehead. And I kind of agree. Like we shouldn't deify one particular creator. And this is an issue I have as a whole on like the internet culture, um, for that kind of thing is like they, we deify like one particular person and we rotate, you know, based around what's going on in the, and I, I've kind of noticed like looking back on Jeff Keighley, because I used to watch Game Trailers TV, which is where, like, he um, kind of, you know, got big, so to speak, in the era of, like, G4 yep. and all that. He's always been, like, a company shill. <laughs> and I get I get it. I, I do. Um, but it's something that I just noticed, like, looking back in hindsight, that um, he's always been... You know, about furthering himself more than like actually caring about the industry, just in my opinion. But and going back to like the Kojima thing, that secured him, you know, likely the spot in uh, Death Stranding as well. Because uh, Death Stranding's kind of turned into like Kojima and Friends, the video game, <laughs> instead of like anything else. Again, my yeah. personal opinion. Uh, but it, it was one of those things that, like, everybody was calling him out on his bullshit. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's probably a good thing that he finally gets called out for it. But, again, it's just the internet news cycle is, like, crazy. Because uh, they'll attack, like, one little tiny thing. Because I see the business side of it as well. Like, he has shareholders. He has, you know, people that help fund, like, the game awards and all that. So... That's likely a sponsor for that. And people didn't realize, like, hey, he probably can't technically talk on it because a lot of those studios also fund that as well, right? Because um, you you notice, like, the trends of, like, Sony being a big backer of the Game Awards, you know, Activision being a big backer of them because they all premiere new projects during it. And they would pull that, and that would make him lose, you know, some of the you know, intrigue of the game awards itself and summer game fest and all these events that he hosts. Um, so yeah, that was the other big one. I, I, I do think it was shitty that he didn't even talk about it, but I also see like the, the business side of it. Like he has to, you know, keep his, um, you know, events going, so to speak. But maybe we do need more than one person hosting these types of events. Maybe we need more than one person being the, essentially the voice of the gaming industry. Because we don't have a G4 anymore. We don't have a Game Trailers. We barely have an IGN. Uh, so you have, you know, and like, as nice as it is to have content creators, you know, from us on down to like your in phase clans and all that. You know, to talk about, you know, games and do Let's Plays and bring awareness to the games. We don't really have, like, in the forefront, like, a major site for, you know, introducing people to it on a broad scale. That's the the good thing about the Game Awards and the Summer Game Fest and all these things. Like, you're, you know, back when we had an E3 and all that. 
But we also have yeah, like because the... as much as we make fun of like the award shows, they still exist for, for people to kind of know like what's going on in this industry. Mm-hmm. What and, is a good? You know, game? I do kind of agree with what you're saying, but I think we also should be careful about like who we get to like represent ourselves when that happens, which I don't really trust us to do. Being honest. No, no, absolutely not. Like. So, I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll fully say like we are not the best to you know represent anything really we're a channel that makes shitpost videos about anime mostly in video games yeah and that's fine for us because it's fun and we're just having fun online but you know yeah. for the industry like you kind of need to be a little more careful about that yeah kind of and- like as much as we like we can say that we wouldn't be equipped to be the president Mm-hmm. of the united states we are still more than justified in criticizing yeah you know politicians when they do stuff because they do represent us yeah but like we can't really you know fully understand the the backings of the video game industry because we're not in the video game industry and we're not you know shareholders we're not you know people that are represented by the video game industry you know despite like the occasional like ad or whatever that I would do on Twitch, you know, that's not something that, you know, there's, you know, any backing for it. Right. But I do, I do wish that we had more than one source, one major source of this now, because like with the loss of E3, we don't really have the broad, you know, event to showcase video games like we used to. Um, and we don't really have like a broad source outside of the game awards for like, you know, letting the mainstream consumer, you know, the basic consumer know what was good that year in gaming, right? So I do wish that we still had more of those and they were more widespread than um, just, you know, Jeff or just, you know, whatever little tiny event that Microsoft or Sony did. I, I miss like a medium sized event, basically. That would have like a lot of these things in it. Um, and honestly, the clips that we have there are probably the directs from Nintendo and the state of plays from Sony, yep. which I mean, that's something. But like they, they're so sporadic and they're not like televised, so to speak. You know, um, that was the, the yeah. Appeal I mean, of- yeah, that is kind of the issue. You can't like really watch them because it's still like only the people who like are following. Exactly. That kind of stuff we'll know. So, yeah, I don't really have, like, a good answer for it. I feel like, if anything, the industry would need to, like, come together and do that. And let's be honest, like, they were hanging on to E3 for a while longer than they should have. Mm -hmm. So I can't see them coming together and being like, hey, what if we have, like, a big event where we talk about our own stuff apart from all this? Because they would rather have someone else handle it or do their own and I see, I see the the logic in it too. Don't get me wrong, because it's cheaper to just you know instead of go fly 16, 17 different people out to a big press event like E three, because that's what it really was was a press event. It was easier to host it on your YouTube channel, right? But that does le- lose the the core audience of like the general consumer, and that's you know a target demographic that does need to be talk to so the best they have is like jeff's game awards and you know these other little tiny events but again they're like they're not on like national tv if that's even still a thing (laughs) um which i figure like 
some version of cable will end up taking back over uh, the more the streaming prices go up. <laughs> as funny as that is to think about. Yeah. But it's like, also a little depressing, but it feels like with all the streaming services looking to merge, it's like, well, we're this close to getting back to cable. Yeah, honestly. Uh, you, you, we Which, escaped I cable. mean, if we're going to pirate stuff anyway, might as well. <laughs> yeah, we escaped cable just to return to cable. Um, and, and sail the high seas again because fuck the shit. Uh, but like, I, I just wish that there was like an answer for this that's not streamed on Twitch or you know YouTube or whatever. That like more eyes could be on the gaming industry like that. And that was like a lot of the major complaints I was seeing about that is like you are basically the face of the industry and you don't want to speak on it. And you know. Like I said, I kind of understand where he's coming from because at the end of the day, he probably has to answer to a lot of those companies too to get their stuff put on there. So he probably doesn't want to spit in the face of the people that are p printing his check. But and to be fair, like even when someone as the face of the a face of the industry does, like Phil Spencer, come to talk about it, like he'll give like a corporate answer because he is still a businessman at the end of the day. Exactly. So yeah, I it, mean. You gotta you gotta split the difference there when you are you know corporatized and that's the unfortunate side of it. Whereas like I will say at least one thing in the guy's defense that you know when he's when he went to do all this besides of course whatever money came with it, I doubt he ever like asked to be like the face of gaming. Right. You know. Because I feel like if I ever, you know, I doubt I'm going to blow up with this channel somehow. But if I ever did somehow, like, get in the public eye or, like, some topic or hobby or just something that I became passionate about, I really wouldn't want to be an authority figure no. necessarily where I have to speak out for something. But I also understand, like, it, people's need for like someone to address what's going on here because from the people who are just consuming the news, it's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. It's like scary about like what's happening and why it's happening and like how to solve this. But you know, is oh, that yeah. really his responsibility? But no. whose responsibility is it? Like, that's the thing. Like if you look at how jaded somebody like Adam Sessler is right from being in the public eye for so long and being the authority on it, I kind of get it. I, I, I would not want to be, you know, looked to as, like, an idol in, like, the anime industry, you know, because I've made anime content for years, because I don't actively consume a lot of anime. I don't read a lot of manga by the standards of other people. Like, there are people on TikTok that have full fucking libraries of manga. I'm like, I'm nothing compared to you, right? Um, But they're, like, not as much in the public eye because a view on TikTok is like 60 seconds of somebody sitting on the shitter, right? Versus, you know, an hour-long podcast talking about clip bullets and cum walls about Chainsaw Man. <laughs> like, I, I still, like, to this day, those are the dumbest words that ever come out of my mouth and they're still the most popular jokes on, the, on that. And I'm like, God damn it, that's my legacy aside from dressing up in all a Hago gear. Um, yeah, just what life is now. Yeah. Um, like, it's, it's funny to me, though, like, going back and looking at, like, you can almost track where the soul left, you know, somebody like Adam Sessler's eyes, right, from being in the public eye for so long and being, like, an authority, 
That's why, like, in that reincarnation of G4, he kind of wanted to let the other younger audience, or the younger people take over and let them see for themselves, like, this is what it's going to be for the rest of your fucking lives. And I'm kind of glad that it kind of, you know, failed in in a way, but I also was kind of saddening. Um, Because that was a chance to have that that middle ground back. Um, But, like, I, I highly, like you said, like, I highly doubt Jeff ever wanted to be, like, that far in the public eye as, like, an authority figure. I figure he did originally come from a place of pure passion, you know, wanting to, you know, celebrate it, and then it just blew up, like, oh, we can take advantage of this from the industry has, and he's yeah. like, well... And in some ways, you'd be stupid to not. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, this will fund my mortgage for the next five years, probably, before it dies, so why not? <laughs> You know, that's it's probably where it came from. And, like, it, it seems a bit disingenuous looking into it, uh, from the outside looking into it. But, like, I I probably would do the same. And that's, you know, sad to say, but, like, if I could, you know, sit on my ass for nine months out of the year and do fuck all but put up one tweet a day and just, you know, collect a paycheck from these people and then put on an award show with three months of prep work, you know, I'd fucking do it. Like I, I would. Yeah, gladly... I think most people would, whether they realize it or not. Like the only reason they wouldn't is just because it, you know, they have crazy amounts of anxiety and just like couldn't, or they have like a bunch of other responsibilities that they are more interested in. But otherwise most people given the chance to have the kind of platform for something they even like remotely enjoy. Yeah. Like probably. I, as, as funny as it is, like I, I do have like a lot of like social anxiety and, you know, filming content has kind of helped me get over that. And then, you know, getting back into music and putting on shows has given me even more of a chance to get over that. Cause before, like to even give a speech in college, I would sit and down a fifth just to, you know, stand up there and give like a, 15 20 minute presentation right because i hated speaking publicly like that was my biggest thing um and i couldn't imagine you know doing a whole like three four different rehearsals for an award show like that like he does like that has to be crazy the like the amount of pressure to not fuck up follow a prompter all that like i i have an immense amount of respect for that side of it you know you know from somebody that performs but at the same time i think we're still right to put some criticism because Mm -hmm. if we don't criticize things won't improve that's just kind of the way of things exactly so like i'm not going to say don't call him out on his bullshit you know i i kind of respect the people there are um and you know there's a need for having that middle ground on it and that's the biggest you know you got to have a, a little bit of balls there, so to speak, uh, to like, hey, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. I don't care if, you know, you don't want me to, you know, because this isn't right, especially like we said at the beginning, like the record profits and also record layoffs. It's insane. And I don't figure it's going to stop anytime soon, as sad as that is to say. Um, and honestly, the only other like possible middle ground I can think about are the standard new shows that we have today because they already have the reach and the 
I guess, professionalism to kind of dig into this kind of stuff. But we also wouldn't fully trust them, not because of their journalistic integrity or whatever, but just because how much do you actually know about the industry you're talking about? Because in a weird way, like, while Jeff's far from an expert, he at least kind of knows what's going on in the industry. Like, we see him tweet about stuff that happens. So he is, like, keeping an ear out for things. Yeah, I mean... We don't have anyone like that in, like, mainstream media. No, like, like the closest thing we have to is, like, gaming news channels. Like, you you got Spawnway, for example, and Mutar, and, you know, all... Like, Beat-Em-Ups does, like, a podcast with Bob Wolf. Like, there's, you know, people like that. But where are their biases, too, right? Because that's the same thing. It ends up becoming, like, you are skewed to a certain demographic, right? Like, Beat-Em-Ups, for the longest time, was, like, solely a Nintendo channel. Um, Bob Wolf, um, from Wolfton, like, did mostly modding stuff. Right, so he would side more on the, on the side of piracy, right? And you know, beat him up for the longest time was side more on the side of Nintendo. Spawnwave, you know, he is all over the place, but he still has an interest inside the modding community, and he also has like in the the rights repair side of things. So he would call Apple out on their bullshit, you know. And I I really respected that because if I pay fifteen hundred dollars for a damn device, I should have the right to fucking fix it myself. Instead of I mean, yeah, more I think we talked about this. That's just like a whole issue with the tech industry in mm-hmm. general, frankly. But, yeah. but like, like on top of that, it it's not always like even the creator's fault. I think that they have like the audience kind of like biases just because that's just how algorithms work. Mm-hmm. Like the audience that they've attracted are the audience that they're going to retain. And if they don't mm-hmm. retain it, they kind of just lose their audience. That's why, like, I mean, yeah. like, part of the reason that we in controlled chaos like have separate channels now is just so, um, you know, our creators can do what they want without, you know, mm-hmm. harming the algorithm, so to speak. Yeah, like, I I had to end up giving Red the stream key to this channel because he wanted to put the um, the hundred girlfriends video on here, and he didn't have a, an active stream key for it, right? So I had to crawl my ass out of bed. <laughs> Dig through YouTube's new interface. This is like back end shit. Like, because they changed like the whole back end of like the live streaming side of it. And now, like, the stream key is like six layers deep in that shit. I like, I, re- I remember this used to be a lot easier to find. Uh, yeah. And I'm just like sitting there, like, Red, you're lucky I give a shit right now. <laughs> um, but like he wanted to put it on here because he didn't know like how long it would be, and he wanted to let like um, Chainsaw Man sit for a while. Um, but there was also like a whole, like, also like this is more like dedicated towards like anime and podcasting topics. For whereas like that is like specifically manga oriented over on Chaos Squared, which he has like the full control over. And then, yeah, like, and we'll probably have some more series up there at some point. Yeah, uh, I know he's trying to bring back One Piece uh, pretty soon as well. So that's yeah. Know, and time. I did think about reaching out to him when the new Hanako chapter that just came out. But then I think you know uh, Luke was trying to set up the hundred girlfriends thing, mm-hmm. and my week got busy. So yeah, I no, like I just having the time to film Chainsaw Man this week was. Yeah, you guys got it like day one. I was so surprised. So I just wrote a comment like immediately. Yeah, I'm just like, it, it was like, I I was like, 
because the way our schedules lined up that week is just like I have this much time to film it, and it's like right after I woke up and read the chapter. So you better get your ass in Discord right now, <laughs> like because that's all the time I'd have. And then like everything else happened, I'm like motherfucker. Um, and like the only other free time I have now is like Sunday, and then I got you know family shit I got to do for at least a week. Um, yeah. And it's also easier to do these established series because, mm-hmm. you know, we have done them and we know they work. Like when I was talking to Red about Hanukkah, for example, we were also like, well, would our dynamic work for a manga podcast? We don't know. We haven't done podcasts together. I think I've only done one with where he was in a group with us. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I figure you guys would have a lot better chance to mesh than some of the others, too, because you both like deeply analyze stuff. Right. And that's the. The really good part of like having a group the sizes that we do um and that's why like i give like full you know like you film it i'll put it up because i trust you guys to you know do quality content to our standards right um because you know outside of everything i've worked with all of you um you know either you know through the Yu-Gi-Oh stuff this you know random power rangers bullshit um and that's, you know, why I'm like, while I'm away, I trust y'all to, you know, run the channel while I'm gone. Just give me the the archive and poop. But like with... Although the Hanukkah thing, if we do do it, or some other series, because mm-hmm. uh, I think we said some other ones that we both read, uh, that would probably go on Chaos Squared, I would think, but I don't know. So yeah. What Red wants. Yeah, it's, it's going to be like... Whatever he wants to put up there, he'll put up there. Whatever it doesn't, he doesn't. I'll end up. Yeah, with the and I mean, I would. I probably read more manga than I honestly watch anime right yeah. now. So I would be more than willing to do some manga discussions. But you know, Red only reads so many series, while I read way too many. Yeah, and, and then, I course, read like the complete opposite demographic of him. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's not easy <laughs> to do this. No. Like, when you get down to the nitty-gritty of content creation, there's a lot more that goes into it. And considering how long Red and I have done it, aside from you guys, like, it's it's a struggle. And, like, once adulting happens and you have, like, lives and partners and, you know, everything else going on and you have other jobs and hobbies and you're doing all sorts yeah. of other I mean, last shit. night itself, I had, like, my own, like, whole family scare. It turned out to be nothing, mm-hmm. which, you know, I kind of figured, but still... <laughs> Yeah, like, the the operation that is going on in the background of mine is, like, minor right now. It's just the recovery for it because of the other health concerns is, you know, the bigger issue. And that's, you know, why I'm like, well, I'll probably end up taking a leave of absence from my job, but it'll at least be paid, which is nice, uh, instead of just yeah, sitting here with, without pay because there's no work. Uh, so... You know, that's nice, but it's still, like, scary, you know, and being the only one that, you know, will be home at the time and, you know, not exactly being mobile uh, for medical reasons. Like, that's also a whole other issue that I got to deal with the the potentiality of, and I'm not uh, looking forward to that side of things in case of, like, the worst, so... Yeah, that's why I'm just like, I'll let you guys, you know, take over until I know, like, the the full details after, you know, this and then one recording that'll be happening in the background that y'all won't even see for a while because it's 
a part of like a bigger um series so yeah, like yeah. the other and gaming... maybe we'll figure something out because Luke yeah. and I do have like a lot of overlap with our content. We used to even do like manga streams regularly back when we were able to. Yeah, so. like that. That's the thing. Like you guys already had an established rapport too, so that's why like it worked really well. Um, and I know there's a couple other creators or like people have been interested in it. I know Kama, for example, started streaming recently, so that's another one that's kind of. Um, a potential, you know, addition down the road if they uh, yep. want to. And at some them. point, we'll do our D and D thing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's set up like some of it anyway. I know there's a whole chat for it. I know Avers is working hard on the story, but uh, yeah, appreciate the efforts on that because that's gonna be a pretty big project for us. God, uh, yeah, like. Uh, unfortunately, Andrew yeah, I don't know if I'll be, have like the schedule of timing to actually be a part of it, so I didn't sign up, but I will yeah. definitely be like watching and commenting. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> fun. That. Um, I know there's other gaming stuff that we had planned in the past, and then I do want to get to it once life settles down a little bit. Oh, yeah, we've always like tried to get some co op games, but either like we don't, I don't even own some of the games that, yeah, we want to do. I, I think. One I thought about was Castle Crashers. I think we want to do that at some point. Yeah. I uh, I think you and I both have like the humble bundle like yeah. subscription, so we probably own like a fair amount of stuff. Yeah, there's collectively like, with that, there's quite a bit of overlap on that because I've been subscribed to Humble since like 2017, 2018. Uh, yeah, I've took a couple pauses, but yeah, same. I've been there for years. It's a good site. Yeah, like even before I had like a good gaming PC, like I had that. It's, um, there's definitely quite a few duplicate games that have come out through that. That's why I just like randomly give out, you know, keys. I wish it was easier to share that stuff because like I've tried to like share some of the keys with like my friends who have Steam, but then it's like, okay, I need your like email address. And it's like, what? When have you ever emailed me anything? It's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) But I just copy the key and just put it in a discord DM at this point. I just don't give a shit. I can always but sign up. But the thing up is, with... I think now, isn't it like linked to your Steam account? If, if you, you if you click redeem, but you can open, you can reveal the key, copy it, and then you send it via DM. There is the potential that they'll like lock your account down. Um, but so far, like I've given out like 20, 30 of them and they haven't done shit to me. So. Okay. I'll keep that in mind if I remember. Yeah. Cause I just gave yeah, away. Um, we should. Probably yeah. close out because I think we haven't even been talking about gaming for a while. We just talk about life. Yeah. Um, um, but like, there is one fun little um, project that uh, I guess Luke's burnt in on OBS, but he's not burnt in on uh, the recording side of this. That's fun. Um, but there is uh, one other like fun little um, tease I can do um, for. I don't know where it'll end up, but um, there is a recap that I'll be doing when I'm caught up for One Piece. I uh, finished the first box set, so I'm about a quarter of the way caught up. Because there's, I think, four box sets right now. So I'm like, chapter 214. Um, I didn't buy box set two because I didn't know what my work schedule would be like for the next couple months. Uh, so... I, I kind of want to save as much financially as possible, considering, you know, I might end up having to switch jobs depending on, like, how 
shitty the hours are. But I, I will be, like, filming with Red, like, a whole, like, thoughts on One Piece once I'm fully caught up. I don't know if they'll end up here or if they'll end up on Chaos Squared. I look for that to be, like, a three, four-hour podcast. So if you want to sit down and watch that, that'll be probably around August when that comes out. But I have no idea. I'm a fast reader, but at the same time, I don't want to be spending fast either, you know? So that'll be something down the line. Um, It'll be fun. It'll be chaotic. And... I know there's a lot of overlap in the audience between gaming and anime. That's why I bothered, you know, mentioning it. So, I look forward to that. Um, I think that's it, though. I think that's our uh, final thoughts. I'm sure there'll be like 85 million things to come out before we film another one of these. So, it'll be another two-hour video. Yeah, I usually do check to see. It's like, okay, what last-minute thing did we miss? But one, you already did post something from Y64 that came out. And yeah. two, I don't know. I'm starting to get kind of hungry. <laughs> yeah, I so. got to go get laundry. So with that, peace.